0: are PR, pro cannabis media
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Every week, we find interesting people in the cannabis industry to talk to and engage in conversation that can help you, the canna-curious, out with whatever you might have on your mind regarding this incredibly new industry, the cannabis industry. And we always ask people to like, share and subscribe to not only this podcast, but all the podcasts and shows on Pro Cannabis Media. And a reminder, we do everything live, live Friday afternoons at Green Rush Live from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. But joining us now on this particular interview is Walt Rampata. From we grow and that's leave off the w on grow which is weird because we have a personality named liz grow who has the w on the end of her name so walt thank you so much
0: for joining us today thanks for having me it's a pleasure
1: tell me a little bit about we grow data and how important data is these days because after all I remember the days when in media, we only were concerned about how many eyeballs, how many times in rating points. But you're telling me, and I know this, data is king now, isn't it?
0: Data is king. In many ways, it's worth more than, than gold. Uh, it has the, 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 an ever-increasing value to it, especially if you start to connect uh, timelines and different behaviors. Uh, so in many ways, it, it, it provides the answers to the questions that we most commonly at, are asking in our industry.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, as a media company, which is us, we're now collecting data, okay? And we're collecting data through uh, webinars and signups. Uh, but I wonder, I'm going to pick your brain right here and ask you, uh, if you were a media company like mine, a 24-7 news information and talk Excuse me, um, channel or website? Um, how would you grow data for us?
0: Uh, in multiple ways, and, and and the real value of the data is the information contained within it. You know the, the 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 your audience and those people that are listening today all have data that surrounds them. Let's let's be real today. Uh, many of the platforms that we participate in are capitalizing on that data that you own, uh, Facebook. Instagram, Twitter, the names that everybody knows, you are the product in those equations and they're utilizing your data to support those platforms. Similarly, in uh, your realm, uh, that data could be used to exponentially grow your audience, helping to find additional audience members that sound like, seem like, smell like, look like your existing audience. Uh, But then additionally, to better or more uh, focused, uh, more hyper-target, uh, those audiences to give them uh, more information that is relevant specifically to them
1: now it says in your bio that you're also the president of mind buzz yes. i'm certainly familiar with the term, but can you <laughs> explain the difference between WeGrowData data
0: and mind buzz? So WeGrow Data is a blockchain as a service organization. We focus uh, on supplying or, or uh, fixing in many ways the white space that exists in the cannabis supply chain industry today. Uh, so our focus is in, in helping to shore up some of the gaps in data uh, that today are huge white spaces that the industry is unknowing about. And it unfortunately pro- provides a uh, diminished capacity to make decisions and do those accurately for the industry at large. Uh, so uh, that's WeGrow data. Uh, Mindbuzz, however, is another company that I owned. It's a full service marketing agency focused only on hemp and cannabis industry companies. And so we work with those companies to do, uh, similar to our name here, help them grow. And, and that focus sometimes is very much surrounded traditional marketing efforts and driving revenues. Sometimes that uh, bleeds into operational efficiencies and the use of technology to add uh, growth to that organization. And that's the focus of Mindbus.
1: Got it. And uh, very well explained. And I appreciate that. I now know why. I reached out to you. I think I reached out to you first, or you reached out to me. I'm not quite sure how it got together, but uh, the name of your company, We Grow Data, obviously, not Mind Buzz, but We Grow Data, um, fits calling all growers perfectly, which is our new show for growing the growing community. And I don't just mean um, the canicurious, curious. I mean the actual people who are growing cannabis and hemp in the ground and turning it into a crop and and turning it into cash and And uh, obviously driving this, I think it's now with hemp, 37 billion last year off the top of my head. Did I get that number right? Close, yep. Um, So I I guess my my question to you is, no, I'm not going to ask you for sponsorship right now, but I am absolutely going to talk to you about, of those two entities, hemp and cannabis with THC, which has the bigger upside, as they say in sports, potential for growth.
0: uh, So uh, let me give you a little bit of background on myself and in addition to these two organizations I also am a partner in US hemp farms, we're a farming and genetic services organization focused on providing seeds and clones to the uh, burgeoning uh, growing industry, uh, mainly focused on the mid Atlantic and we focus primarily on uh, medicinal hemp uh so the uh not the tall leafy uh stuff you use for paper and fiber and pulp but the stuff that that is generally uh grown for bud uh and medicinal uses mm-hmm. and what i will tell you uh having history and knowledge uh very closely to the plant as a grower myself uh let's be let's be clear the, the plant is the plant is the plant you know for those of us that that are into the industry there's there's not a whole lot of difference between a, a hemp medicinal plant and a thc Uh, medicinal plant. The the main difference is the cannabinoid content. Uh, if If I were to put two of them out in the field right next to one another, you'd have a really difficult time. I would have a really difficult time telling the difference between the two unless I knew exactly which strain was in the ground on either side. It's really the cannabinoid content that that drives whether it's hemp or cannabis so as a plant species i think that the entire industry whether it be cannabinoids focused on thc or cannabinoids focused on the minor cannabinoids we're seeing growth all over the spectrum and i think to answer that question uh as to one side or the other is really challenging because again if we go back to the the statement the plant is the plant is the plant once we start to get into the science and the mechanics of the plant, and we start to really understand the basics of the cannabinoid breakdown within those, those species, it really, what we're focused on is the effects at the end result that the consumer is gonna, gonna wanna uh, realize. And in that stature, we can uh, mimic those solutions, those, those physical effects uh, to treat those particular ailments through the plant and modifying those cannabinoids, regardless of where they're coming from in a end product. Uh, and to be clear, we're also seeing a lot of advances within algae growth and other uh, different farming techniques for producing cannabinoids that r- lie outside even the farming practices that I've come to know.
1: So um, I, that was great. And I, I certainly understand all that. And now I'm gonna ask you the question about the entourage effect because people in the industry have explained to me many, many times that you really do need a little bit more THC in the plant to get the maximum effect of the medicine in the cannabinoids, the CBDs, the CBGs, and the CBNs of the world. And by the way, do not ask me to pronounce exactly what those are. The fact that I can say endocannabinoid and cannabinoid is enough.
0: you know what I'm saying? And that's something that, you know, that we should all be mindful of every homo sapien, that means human being standing upright, actually every mammal, including the sea slug on the sea floor uh, has an endocannabinoid system. That means we have a system inside our bodies that produces cannabinoids. And the easiest way to supplement that system is with phytocannabinoids, plant-based cannabinoids. So similar to taking our vitamins on a daily basis from nature's care or from whatever manufacturer, you know, if you want to go walk into GNC and get your vitamins there, those are supplemental to the vitamins that we need inside our body on a basic, you know, standard uh, level. Phytocannabinoids do the same thing in a supplementary fashion to the endocannabinoid system, resetting we're adjusting the receptors that control many aspects within our body. Everything from the thought and the neuro in our brains to our heart to our gut. Uh, the endocannabinoid system is is entranced in 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 every aspect of the, of the human species. So. Uh, in that, you know, phytocannabinoids can be used very specifically to treat very different things. And again, going back to that, that comment or the question earlier about which is going to take off the THC side or the, the, the minor cannabinoid side, again, I think it's going to be as we get to an industry of standardization and, and production and meeting the demands of today's uh, consumers. And also when medic, you know, traditional medicine uh, catches up with the understandings of what's happening in this industry, we're going to see a, a change in dynamic where we're going to be focused on the cannabinoid makeup that you're looking to purchase rather than the strain or plant specific makeup.
1: Gotcha. And I, I actually followed that whole thing, uh, which is fascinating <laughs> to me after all these years. Um, we We talk a little bit about the word, the descriptive words, psychoactive. And I've learned from a a hemp master, if you will, that CBD, CBN, CBG, the the main minor cannabinoids, I guess, would be the way to look at them from your perspective. Um, All are psychoactive, but they're non-intoxicating. And a lot of media make that mistake. I made the mistake three years ago and learned, and I'd love to come back and say, I learned this, that those cannabinoids certainly interact with your endocannabinoid system and your, and your psyche. Uh, it does not get you high. It does not get you intoxicated. So therein lies the rub between these two plants. And now it looks like they want to up the percentage of THC in the hemp plant to 1%. Is that a good thing for the industry? Is that going to be easier? How does that work?
0: So uh, let's be clear, uh, to to effectively grow a medicinal hemp plant and to bud it out so you're optimizing the minor cannabinoid makeup of that plant, uh, it's really challenging to stay lower than a 1% threshold. Getting it down to a 0.3% threshold is extremely challenging. Right. Uh, not only do you have to be mindful of the strain that, you, that you're growing, but you also have to be mindful of all the other dynamics. And when I say all the other dynamics, that includes Mother Nature. So not only the nutrients that you're putting into the ground, the growth cycle when you're pulling it out of the ground, if you pull it out before the first frost or after the first frost, all those things change that cannabinoid amount um, and the makeup of those different cannabinoids. And to maximize the medicinal minor cannabinoids, the Cs and and those that are contained within the C family, CBG, CBN, CBD, Uh, unfortunately to truly maximize those out, you're also pulling all the other cannabinoids with it. And so uh, very easy example, Uh, you know, if we were to pull our, you know, when we've grown in the past, when we pull our plants out before frost, Uh, And I say before frost, because interestingly enough, that cold snap, the the drop below 32 degrees for a period of time will actually increase the minor cannabinoids in a particular plant. So most advanced growers of hemp that are growing outdoors are trying to push as close to the frost or after the first frost to maximize their, their minor cannabinoids. Unfortunately, when you do that, you're also, again, pulling all the other cannabinoids up as well. And so what we've seen over time is that you'll have variations in THC that will range anywhere from 0.3 to 1% or even further, depending on how far past that frost you push or and how far you push that plant. Um, and again, we're trying to maximize what we're growing this plant for, and that's the, med- the, the medicine. And At the end of the day, the amount of THC still contained in there is such a minor amount that the overall effects that that plant would have on a person uh, are going to be minor when it comes to the quote unquote intoxicating uh, amounts. But to properly give the industry the leeway that it needs to produce these plants at medicinal capacity, all of us that have ever grown this plant in an outdoor setting have been pushing for at least the 1% th- threshold because it, it'll give us a lot more room to grow more strains and provide more medicine to, to the masses.
1: I have a feeling I know this, the answer to this next question. How frustrating is it for a grower of hemp? to not have any guidelines from your federal government about what you can and what you can't put into food, what you can claim, what you can't claim. It's everybody I talked about this says this is the biggest issue,
0: right or wrong? Well, I'd say it's one of the big issues, because okay. also married to that is standardization. And so we've got an issue inside the industry and an issue outside the industry. We've got the federal government outside the industry trying to provide insight for our consumers and put some level of of regularity in the information that they're expecting, uh, similar to any other supplement that we should take today. I mean, if again, you walk into GNC, There's a lot of information on those product labels and a lot of information, conversely, that's not on product labels that are in the hemp and cannabis space. So there's absolutely that push that we want more information. I mean, uh, interestingly enough, in the state of Maryland, if you were to look at the guidelines for what's supported on a particular label... It's not just your THC, it's all the cannabinoids and their particular counterparts. So as a consumer in Maryland specifically, I can make a truly educated guess, again, referring to that entourage effect as to which strain I should be choosing. However, my daughter who lives in Arizona and is also a medicinal patient, unfortunately in Arizona, they only put the the major cannabinoids on their label. So she only knows this has 24% THC and maybe a little bit of CBD in it. She doesn't know all the terpenes, she doesn't know. And really, if we're to to understand the science, the the unsung heroes are the terpenoids. Uh, And really that's where the effects of this plant uh, in treating those different ailments really come into play. So standardization from an industry level inside the industry also is a major uh, issue that we're trying to tackle. Because as we get to a place inside our industry where we're testing for those cannabinoids, now we can inform those answers that the government is seeking or would be employing on the rest of the industry. And that's some of where we grow data sits in that mix. Our focus is to help uh, understand where those gaps are so that we can help guide the industry in the most effective areas.
1: Can, can we enlighten some of our elected officials about the benefits of this plant uh, with your data? <laughs> can we do that?
0: Yeah, well, interestingly enough, so as a blockchain, as a, as a service organization, we are already in talks with, and I'm not going to mention exactly which state, but we're already in talks with one of the, the major states in the union uh, about looking at our platform as a tra- track and trace uh, option for the industry. And, and when I say industry, she is specifically looking at the agricultural industry at large, which our industry fits underneath of. So in that, you know, blockchain specifically is is what's going to provide that uh, oversight that currently is lacking because of the technology that is is available to our current uh, industry at large.
1: Right. And, um, you know, you, you, you're you using the term. Blo- can you define blockchain for those that perhaps, you know, right over their heads?
0: So. Uh, easiest way to break it down is uh, we have uh, uh, over the years, come to understand that uh, I'm going to shake this, this thing here, this computer that I'm sitting here talking on is uh, run by uh, a language called code. And that code tells this computer, this device, what to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And over time that code or those languages that support these machines has advanced. And we've gone from uh, basically a kindergarten code that we started out with, you know, 20 years ago to now a college level code and blockchain. And, and that's what's available to most of us today is a college level code base. Blockchain is a doctorate level code wow. and over arches everything in many ways, fills in gaps that we couldn't do with the rest of what we were we had available to the last through the last number of years. So it's not. to to not scare people you know people hear blockchain they hear the words crypto they they hear all these terminologies uh, lately and they start getting uh, nervous and really all it is is just another language that is running these machines that is a little bit more advanced than what we've we've come from
1: so can an apple computer talk to a pc please (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, and that's really the, the, uh, the promise of blockchain is that it's going to allow us uh, the ability to seamlessly and securely uh, communicate cross platforms. So uh, where our platform sits is in many ways in the middle of a large wheel. If we were to look at you know, using a metaphor, WeGro would sit at the center with spokes come, going out to the supply chain and all the businesses surrounding the supply chain and all the data that they produce within the supply chain. Everything from the nutrient suppliers to the point of sale companies in the dispensaries uh, to the uh, EMR uh, services that the producers have inside their grows, all the way to post-consumer data and journaling applications. All that information surrounding the industry Uh, is what will allow us to paint a picture of where the gaps are. Uh, And and blockchain has the ability as an innate technology to do that in a secure fashion. And, And what blockchain does is it distributes the information across thousands of devices, but with one single key. So interestingly enough, your Walt Rampada's information will be on a thousand different devices. One device will have my name, another device will have my medical history, another device will have my phone number, another one will have my buying habits and and I'm using, you know, funny examples, but you won't be able to get an entire picture of who Walt is from just looking at one of those particular machines. In order to be able to truly understand who I am, I need the keys. And that's the beauty of the crypto slash blockchain universe is that in a secure fashion, I hold those keys and I can, through one application on my phone, assemble all those different pieces of information into one location. But it's only I with that information and those keys that can do that.
1: Interesting. And that's why. You know, cybersecurity is growing so exponentially as a career in an industry because it's it's that PhD level that they're operating at, correct? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Hey, that was by far the best, most simple way to define uh, blockchain that I've had. So very good. So you, you get to Thank go you. to the head of the class. I promise. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell you. me, tell me about Maryland because right now there's some movement towards uh, legalization, and they're talking about perhaps making it. Onto the ballot question in the fall, um, where does that state stand as far as their medical versus adult use? And or is either that we know adult use is not allowed, but tell me about what their medical program is like.
0: So we've had medical in Maryland now, uh, I want to say going on four years, 2018, I think was the uh, advent of a legalization here in, uh, and very quickly after the advent, one of my uh, uh, side hustles and trying to learn this industry As I got badged up as a, a licensed bud tender in the state of Maryland I worked at a dispensary behind the counter uh, for a number of months just wanting to learn more and understand what was the consumer the patient on the other side of that desk saying to me what were they looking for what were the questions they were asking for and was completely blown away every single day at the varying uh, cacophony of different individuals from wild different walks of life everything from the police officer to the federal agent to the housewife to the 56 year old retired entrepreneur to the 75 year old you know it was all over the place and they all had similar stories what we're seeing now though as med the medicinal market has advanced in maryland everybody's now crying for more you know the the patients themselves ha, are starting to get to that place where they're realizing the the true costs of what this medicine holds, and some of what's being pushed for is not just legalization from a rec perspective, but additions to the medicinal side of the equation with the allowance of home grows. So we're seeing all kinds of different conversations that uh, lead towards rec. Uh, we're talking hopefully within the next two years, rec might hit actually, uh, and beyond the ballot for for vote in Maryland. Uh, But we're also hopeful that from a medicinal side, home grow uh, capacity enters into that as well. Because let's be real, at the end of the day, it's really wild that we have to pay for something that we can grow in our backyard. Yeah,
1: except for those that have black thumbs, okay, because I cannot take on the responsibility of being uh, responsible for another live thing that I'm growing, okay. And, and, trust me, I I, I use this line all the time. I don't want that responsibility. I do want to know where my cannabis is coming from, how it has been tested, what is the cannabinoid makeup, and more importantly, what is the terpene makeup? Because isn't the terpene the steering mechanism for those cannabinoids?
0: And the way I kind of describe it to the newcomer uh, or the new patient or somebody uh, just checking out cannabis as an alternative is that uh the major cannabinoids, the t's of the world and the cs uh, uh those tend to uh predict your flight altitude so, <laughs> so how high you get
1: right uh, uh, also takes atomic-
0: you up c b d brings you down right whereas Uh, the terpenes however tell you what destination you're going to whether you're going to Jamaica for a party or whether you're going to New York for a night out on a town you know it's the terps that tell you the different effect that you're going to have while you're in flight which is why
1: you're starting to see more and more dispensaries carry um, mood like the sleepy strain the focus strain the uh, mixed strain if you will and they're going for more Uh, what the effect is, as opposed to where the strain comes from and where did it grow and who recommends it, that sort of thing. And um, what I'm hearing from you, too, is you recognize that people, as they start using this product more and more, more and more research is done. You learn about the product yourself and what you can handle and what effect it's going to have on you, because, as you might expect, everybody's different
0: and it affects everybody differently. Right, Walt? (laughs) Very much so. Very much so. And and to that point, you know, one of the, uh, I talked to you about the spoke and the wheel analogy of where WeGrow sits. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a number of partners around the supply chain that are already connected to the system, the ecosystem that we're building. Uh, And one of those, I mentioned point of sale company. We've got a point of sale company, but we also have a post-consumer Purchasing uh, application, uh, so actually, it's a journaling application for uh, the medical patient specifically. After they're purchased, they utilize this application to journal instead of on a traditional pen and paper. Use an application on your phone and journal. You know what did you consume? What was the terp- What was the uh, makeup? What was in it? Terpenes, cannabinoids, minor cannabinoids? Uh, how did it make you feel? Uh, what effects did it did it give you? Were those effects that that you wanted, and the beauty of this application is that over time you're gonna it's going to help you hone in on the cannabinoid terpenoid profile that most accurately benefits the ailments that you're trying to treat. Um, And it's really interesting over time. People have done that pen and paper old school for a very long time, but now through the application, we're starting to see immediate changes in. The ability of people to associate uh, not just uh, strain names to particular effects, but cannabinoid makeups to particular effects so that when they're going into a dispensary setting, they're less looking for a particular strain name and more so looking for particular cannabinoids and terpenoids that will work to to, to fill those ailments.
1: (laughs) You really need a science degree to go shopping now for cannabis where... Back in the day, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm 64 years old. I remember the 60s and 70s. And that's when I started as a 14-year-old kid. Um, you know, we'd meet somebody in the parking lot that somebody told us was cool and had weed and we would go. And that's where, that's where we did our business. Now it's completely different. And you really do have to educate yourself before you go shopping. Or perhaps Walt is the bud tender behind the counter, which I don't think is true most of the time.
0: Right. And that's the thing. It's it's really difficult today for the consumer. And that's where all of this comes into play. You know, the conversations around data, the conversations around cannabinoids, it all plays into the end person who's who's consuming the product at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I'm old enough that I I nearly got expelled from, from Villanova for smoking a joint in my dorm room back in the day. Uh, And I used to buy Mexican brick weed back in the day. So uh, I, you know, seeds and stems, those were part of the conversation from my days back in uh, younger smoking. Um, and, And that's not where we are today. Truly it's, you know, the, the variation in what is available to us in the marketplace is immense. Um, and and the makeup of those products and uh different plants and strains is also just as equally immense. The one thing I'll stress to your audience, and you've already stated this, is know your grower, know where it's coming from. You know, it's the it's the same when you go to the food store, it's the same when you go to GNC. Anything that you're gonna put inside this system, you want to know where it's coming from, you know. At the end of the day, you want to know what kind of what's going into that, you know, you may not know all the nutrients that are going into the ground, but you want to have some sort of semblance of of assurance that they're not using harmful pesticides, and that they're not making their way into what you're consuming at the end of the day.
1: A hundred percent. In some states, of course, have stricter guidelines and testing than other states. I know Massachusetts tests for more pesticides than even hardly even exists right now, but uh, that's what they decided they would do with these regulations. And you know what? You play by the rules in each state anyway, right? Right. Right. Um, on the federal side, are you confident? Because I'm not.
0: No. No, we've got. Well, and and for all the reasons that we've talked about, you know, yeah. when it comes to being able to scale this to a larger uh, degree, uh, we've got some major challenges as, as an industry. We've already talked about standardization and where WeGrow sits is very sh- sh- uh, securely in helping to bridge some of those gaps with the data portion. But also underneath of WeGrow, we have our own DeFi token, Uh, That's that's currently available on the uh, exchanges for purchase and that token specifically is has the benefits uh, where we're looking long term as being a payment solution for the industry. So there are many challenges, you know, when we start to talk about, you know, federally what we need to do to get to a place where we can transact at a federal level and banking and compliance and, and and tax laws that are favorable to us as an industry, similar to other industries, we've got a lot of, of, of uh, road to make up uh, before we get to that place. Um, if, it is, if it
1: does go federal, are you more confident that the Department of Agriculture versus Food and Drug Administration versus DEA? And I think I'm missing, uh, I'm missing one more. Where do you where would you like to see the industry be um, under the umbrella of? Uh,
0: as a hemp grower and having uh, uh, been greeted at my back door by two federal DEA task force agents during my growing season, yeah. uh, I will tell you that I would much prefer the Department of Ag visits over the DEA visits. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, let's be clear, you know, this goes back to something I already said. It's ridiculous to me, understanding the dynamics of this plant, that we have to go somewhere else to purchase something that we can grow in our backyard. At the end of the day, you know, this plant was so valuable to us as a nation. When you were, uh, when, when this nation was born, it was required as a landowner that 40% of your acreage be devoted to hemp. Let's right. let's go back to our roots. You know, w- w- we forget the history and how this plant has played within the lives of so many, and what it what the, and the stigma and everything that's been jammed down everybody's throat for so long. At the end of the day, this is a plant. This is a plant. This is a plant. And you keep coming back to it. It's not a drug, uh, and, and it's an entire history of millennium. It's never killed anybody. It's it's not. You can never overdose on it. No matter the you you have to consume such a ridiculously large amount that nobody would ever be able to do that to, to. So at the end of the day, it's a plant, it's a plant, it's a plant. It should be treated as as such. I would love to see the farmer's markets of old that you can sometimes bump into in the upper Northwest and places like Washington and Oregon, where you can actually openly exchange and sell hemp and cannabis in an open market, like your carrots, like your green beans, like your lettuce. Um, yeah, you know, so i i would much prefer the department of ag oversight but i've got real questions as to all of their capabilities because quite frankly none of those those governing bodies today still understand what this thing is yeah and, and you know it's amazing and
1: it, i've i've learned quite a bit over the last three years since i've been doing all these interviews and talking to people and uh, by the way some of the smartest people i know are the scientists and geneticist it's really interesting to see the the difference between the scientist and the geneticist if you catch my drift on that because the the knowledge base doesn't care how much how many letters you have after your name it's what you do know about that plant more than anything else and some people have to go to school and go into labs and learn how to break down the cannabinoids and some Let's just say how our, our streetwise would be a good way to look at that. The legacy growers, if you will. And uh, I find them both to be fascinating. And, and when you have a chance to talk to the two of them together, it really is uh, an amazing experience. Walt Rampata from We Grow, that's without the W, WeGrowData.com. That's where you can find Walt and all his people. And uh, I guess contact me at, info at is the best way to find you, Walt
0: info at Please reach out to us. You have questions, you want to know more, we're available. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today on another special edition of In
1: the Weeds with Jimmy Young. And a reminder again, that it is a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Meet Caduceus Science, the alternative wellness company. You know CBD, but how about CBG, CBN? That's right, Caduceus Science produces a range of full-spectrum products, all lab-tested in small batches to maintain the highest quality of products. KadushaScience.com. Hey, you want to grow your own plants? Check out Style Lighting's Grow Kit. It has everything you need to become an expert home grower and bring the power of the sun indoors. Style Lighting uses TCP's high-powered commercial LEDs that deliver twice the output in the market. The Grow Kit has a grow bag, a timer, chains to hang the light, and of course the best in the business lighting system by TCP. Check out stylelighting.shop for more information.